Welcome to the All 32 Podcast with your host, Connor Miles. All right, we're going live. Welcome to the All 32 Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Miles. With me, as always, is my producer, Ryan Sanders. Uh, what a day. What a, what a beautiful day. Uh, free agency kicks off. Uh, prior to recording this, Ryan and I are like talking about it and going way too much into it. We had to hit the record button. So, uh, further ado, let's just go right into it. Biggest news uh, it is really the Eagles getting Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, there's other free agency news that we'll get into, but I mean, this is the number one uh, big thing because, of course, he was ranked as the number one free agent on NFL.com, uh, best wide receiver on the market, as everybody knows. Uh, it was somewhat of a surprise that his market was as thin as maybe he expected it to. So this one-year deal with the Eagles, especially at 14 mil, uh, makes a ton of sense. Uh, when you look at it, uh, Deshaun Jackson got $12 million per year from the Tampa Bay. Uh, Pierre Garçon's making a total of $16 million in his first year with the 49ers. So, I, I, I mean, if you got to give the Eagles an A-plus for a 14 mil uh, per year contract with, with Jeffrey uh, gives him a chance to stabilize his market, uh, see if Carson Wentz and the Eagles are a good fit for him. And it gives the Eagles a chance to see if uh, Jeffrey's really passed his PED stuff because, I mean, uh, they have a player on their team in Lane Johnson who screwed them over a little bit with a huge extension and then gets suspended for PED use and misses those 10 games, whereas if Jeffrey fails another test, he will miss 10 games as well. So uh, I think they're, I think the Eagles are definitely – they didn't want to put 100% faith and commit to Jeffrey just because they've been spurned by this with Lane Johnson. So uh, I think it's a great deal for both sides, really. Uh, and again, there hasn't come out with anything yet. There's a clause in the contract where they can't franchise tag him, but I just can't see the, the Eagles making this deal with that type of clause in there, committing $14 million to wide receiver of Jeffrey's caliber and not have a clause in there where they can franchise tag him. Uh, again, uh, hats off to Howie Roseman and company. Uh, I just want to go into comp- I just want to go into details about this real quick, so we can get on to other NFL news. But uh, they signed Torrey Smith to a three-year deal, which is team option for two other years. So if he doesn't perform up to standards like he has been in with the 49ers for his uh, last two seasons, this upcoming season they can just go ahead and cut him and get rid of him, and nothing. Uh, they barely even paid him. So another brilliant deal. How the metrics of that set up. Uh, to me, I thought this was a great signing if you add a possession wide receiver just because I look back with Joe Douglas in Baltimore when he pounded the table for Torrey Smith. I'm not sure if people really understand the story about uh, Torrey Smith in Baltimore, but this was Joe Douglas's handcrafted pick where he went to Ozzie Newsom and he pounded the table for Torrey Smith uh, out of Maryland. They, he really wanted the kid. Uh, he knew he was a perfect compliment to a guy like Anquan Bowden, who the Baltimore Ravens had. And that's what they rode to the Super Bowl, folks. I know they had a great rushing attack with Wills McGahee and Ray Rice, but what really rode them to the Super Bowl was their passing attack with Bolden and Torrey Smith. Uh, Bolden was the possession wide receiver. Torrey Smith was the guy who took the top off the defense, uh, one-trick pony type of guy, who really who really complimented Flacco's arm. So uh, with Wentz, you're getting the same thing here. You're getting Alshon Jeffrey, who's your possession wide receiver, and you're getting Torrey Smith, Who's going to help you stretch the field, which the Eagles couldn't possibly do at all last year? So uh, it just this these moves reek of Joe Douglas and his impact on the front office already. Uh, if anybody knows how Torrey Smith should be used, it's Joe Douglas. So uh, again, 
really, the thing with Torrey Smith is a lot of people are down on him because of his very underwhelming years with the 49ers, but uh, in 2014, when he was on the free agent market, the only wide receiver above him was Jeremy Macklin, and Jeremy Macklin went ahead and signed for $11 million per year with the Kansas City Chiefs, so Torrey Smith, of course, his market value got inflated, and a team like the 49ers, who always makes big, big money splashes in free agency was ready to overpay him like crazy, and they did. And instead of really making the f- smart football decision for what's best for Torrey Smith's career, uh, he went ahead and took the money, which you can't fault him for that. A million free agents in the NFL history have done that. So he goes to the 49ers, and he finds out in uh, his first season there with Gabe Christ and Jim Tom still was the head coach, but with Chris being the, the main play caller, he just couldn't utilize Torrey Smith at all. Uh, Colin Kaepernick couldn't get the ball to him whatsoever, got injured, and then you got Blaine Gabbert who came in who kind of has an underrated deep ball but is very inconsistent and very inaccurate and sporadic with it where you couldn't get Torrey Smith the ball as much as he would hope so. And then he goes into Chip Kelly's season the next year and uh, complete flop, complete flop. Uh, I know a lot of people want to point out, well, Jeremy Curley and Quentin Patton weren't complete flops in Chip Kelly's system, but Torrey Smith is the first wide receiver uh, Chip Kelly ever coached who didn't have a career a year under him. I get that. Definitely do. Uh, I mean, I really don't have an excuse for it because you look at Deshaun Jackson, who's kind of a one-trick pony in, in himself. Uh, I don't want to say he's a one-trick pony. I, I've been advocating for Deshaun Jackson for a while. He's he's more than a one-trick pony, but uh, you get my point. They have the same kind of skill sets, and he just flopped. But uh, I just don't think anything in that offense clicked last year at all. The quarterback play was horrible. We all know that. Uh Kaepernick's numbers looked good, but the passing yard per games was way down. I think it was like 80, 184.3 yards per game last I checked. So it wasn't like uh, they were taking the top off the defense or doing downfield plays anyways, which is where you're using Torrey Smith there. So I just think he was a horrible fit in San Francisco, and he it was just the circumstances of him chasing the money. And now he goes to the Eagles, and he's he's making five like excuse me five million per year. And he's complimenting a true possession wide receiver again. Uh, this is a beautiful fit to me. Uh, I, I I really like these two signs by the Eagles. And, and, of course, they also brought in offensive guard Chance Warmack, who was a top 10 pick in that 2013 draft where the Eagles nailed it with Lane Johnson. And now he's back with his Alabama offensive line coach and Jeff Stoutlin, which is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, one year, $1.27 million for Chance Warmack, a former top 10 pick. Uh Jeff Stoutland's a huge reason why he was one of the, the top 10 selection. He's back with him again. I expect to see good results of him at left guard. I mean, again, West Coast offense, you need big maulers in the trenches, and the Eagles have that with Chance Warmack now and Brandon Brooks, who are over 330 pounds each. So uh, a beautiful day for the Philadelphia Eagles. Be, I, I really, when you look at their cap space, you would never – I think that's what's crazy is I know I'm an Eagles fan, but I like to keep bias out of it. Uh, Maybe you think my Tory Smith take is incredibly biased, but I I gave you the facts, so take with it as what you will. I'm not expecting much from Tory Smith, mind you, but I think he'd be a perfect complement to Alshon Jeffrey uh, for Carson Wentz. So that's why I like the move. Uh, I wouldn't have just liked it if it was just Tory Smith. That would be we would have a completely different conversation if the Eagles just signed Tory Smith and called it a day, or they added Marcus Wheaton or something like that. Uh, we would have a complete different conversation because I don't think I think you're just putting a bunch of number twos and hoping it would work. 
Uh, that's not what the Eagles did, though. So, uh, again, uh, with the minimal cash base they had, the, the 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 ways that they found to make these moves feasible with low 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 term commitments to guys who really aren't something that you want to provide long term commitments to yet uh, is beautiful in my in my opinion. I think the Eagles had a great day and they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, absolutely. With the limited resources that the the Eagles had today coming into the into free agency. Uh, they were able to the dismay of a lot of fans. They ha- had to terminate the contract of Connor Barwin. Uh, just wasn't a fit in the current defensive scheme. Uh, more of a three-four outside linebacker playing defensive end in this four-three defense. They let him go. They uh, alleviated about almost eight million in cap space. They they were able to free that up, which was used to sign. Tory Smith, Alshon Jeffrey, Chance Warmack. Um, the interesting thing in all three of these signings is they all have a link back to Philadelphia. Someone in the someone in the organization has familiarity with this person that we signed, Chance Warmack. You said the offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland, Tory Smith. Uh, Joe Douglas, the VP of player personnel for the Eagles, and then Mike Rowe, the wide receivers coach of the Chicago Bears, now in Philadelphia with Alshon Jeffrey. So there's a bunch of those are all great reasons for these players to come sign with the Eagles. These one year deals are great for teams that are limited in cap space. I particularly like it for. Actually, you know what? I do like it for all three of them, mainly for Alshon. It's a high end. Uh, it's a high end prove it deal because he's had injury concerns. He had the suspension last year, so this is a chance for him to really set his own market. Especially after free agency opened, it seemed like teams were shying away from him. They weren't uh, willing to give him the money that he thought he deserved and obviously a lot of people thought he deserved since a lot of people had him as the number one overall free agent coming into free agency so so i i, I feel like it was fair for both sides it, it's a way for him to to say that hey i'm healthy hey i'm you know not on peds or you know i'm not gonna fail any type of test like i'm someone that you could really invest in but i think it really shows a lot on a national standpoint it really shows a lot of how people think and they perceive Carson Wentz because the Vikings, they sent out a nice, safe, long-term offer for Alshon Jeffrey. But right now their quarterback is Sam Bradford. But for how long? Right now the the Eagles have a, a promising star in the makings with Carson Wentz. And from, uh, from reports, Alshon chose the Eagles because of Carson because they offered him that one-year deal, and it gave him the opportunity to really prove himself and build something in Philadelphia. Uh, Josina Anderson was on record as saying that the Eagles provided a better chance of winning now, and that's what he was looking for, which is interesting because the Eagles finished at 7-9 and nine last season. So uh, obviously the, the Eagles increased their offensive potential exponentially and it leaves open the door to build the defense through the draft two takeaways i've had from the alshon jeffrey signing with the eagles number one for the one-year deal number one is 
He's hungry. He wants to prove people wrong. He's top 10 caliber wide receiver. He feels disrespected by his market. And now you're going to get a guy who's hungry, wants to prove himself again, show everybody that I deserve the big money. Uh, that's that's the perfect thing the Eagles wide receiver corps needs. Uh, he, he looked at the Eagles situation and he views himself as the missing link to success for this team. So uh, hopefully he lives up to that build. Yeah, I, I agree too. I hopefully lose up to that build. Uh, I know I was skeptic paying him fifteen million per year just because of his PED use and an injury history, but uh, I'm incredibly more comfortable with a fourteen million one year deal. Uh, I want him to make me feel like I should invest in him long term, and I feel like that's how the Eagles feel as well. So, uh, again, I don't want to beat the dead horse here talking about the Eagles because this is an NFL podcast. We have other NFL fans who tune in. Uh, just a couple more points about the Eagles and their, their offseason moves. Uh, to me, I think this makes Jordan Matthews expendable. I think a lot of people are already penciling in uh, a tandem of Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, and Jordan Matthews. I I would not do that yet. Uh, Patriots did not land Brandon Cooks yet, as of yet. Uh, I, I, I would see them as a perfect fit for Jordan Matthews because they like to put their smaller wide receivers outside, have a big body in the slot. And uh, I just I, I had no I, I mean, as the season went on last year, I had no idea how Doug Peterson even had an, a clue how to utilize Jordan Matthews in the slot. He, he just didn't. He was using him on bubble screens regularly, which is not his game whatsoever. He was using him on corner routes in the end zone, which, again, not his game whatsoever. He cannot come down with those catches. Uh, so I, I have no idea how uh, I could feel comfortable with him in this West Coast offense for in the slot for a long period of time. Cause he, two resumes have proved that they don't see Jordan Matthews more as a slot wide, as anything more as a slot wide receiver. He's on the last year of his deal. You're going to be at the point next year where you're negotiating with Alshon Jeffrey to keep him long-term or you're franchise tagging him, which is on the cape to either way you're using up a chunk of money and, and Jordan Matthews contract is up. So to me, uh, if they get a phone call, I don't see. I, I just don't see them saying no. If, if they get the value for him, like a third or fourth round pick, and they and they know, like I'm assuming, because of what the money's going to look like next year and what, how you're going to have to put all your resources into keeping Alshon Jeffrey, uh, a draft pick might be more valuable to you. So uh, I mean, I, I expect Jerry Matthews to be on the team this year, but I, I don't think it's. I don't think he's longed for Philadelphia that much. But then other other. Roster move I expect them to make is I expect them to get rid of Jason Kelsey, of course, to free up that cap space, along with Michael Kendricks. And uh, I think Isaac Siamalu will be the center next year, while Warmack is the left guard. Because I think a lot of people are saying, well, uh, they know Warmack's career. He's been a bust in Tennessee so far. I think a change of scenery will be beneficial to him. And, of course, getting back with that college coach who helped him become a top-ten pick. But uh, you don't you don't make death signings on the first day of free agency, folks. If you if they sign him the first day of free agency, they view him as a starter. So, uh, to me, Jason Kelsey's gone. Uh, maybe they bring back Stefan Wojcicki to challenge Samalu for the center job, which I would like because either way, you're gonna need death. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I don't want to dwell on the Eagles that much, but that's my thoughts on them and all the moves they made today. One thing real quick, though, uh, about the Stefan Wisniewski thing, I do heavily favor the idea of moving Jason Kelsey. It, it makes a lot of sense, in my opinion. Bringing back Wisniewski provides not only competition for Sayamalu and elevating his play or 
even elevating Wazuski's play for that center starting spot, but also provides um, it also provides flexibility and the fact that Wisniewski can play guard, he could play center. So even if he's not starting, he's someone that you can throw into a starting spot because when Wisniewski was starting in Alan Barbary's uh, absence due to injury, things like that in the left guard position, um, he performed quite well. So it, it would be really nice to have him and or Sayamalu in uh, in the fold for for depth purposes. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in that, even though that's not a very hot topic. It should be a hot topic, though, because Chance Warmack has an extensive injury history himself. So keeping Wisniewski would probably be beneficial to the Eagles. And again, if his market doesn't pan out, I could see him coming back to the Eagles on a one-year deal like he did last year. So uh, let's move on, though. Uh, let's let's talk about the rest of the NFL. I know you and I can talk about the Eagles forever, but uh, I don't want to kill the show for our viewers. Uh, I think my most head-scratcher of the day, which, of course, the, the Patriots will make me eat my words on it no matter what, was them signing Stephon Gilmore. Uh it not even that it just came out of nowhere. I, I I just I don't see what they see in him to give him fourteen million per season. The Patriots really don't do this. I know I think a lot of people are underestimating how they're in win now mode because maybe they do see the end of the tunnel with Tom Brady's and his uh career in New England. Uh so maybe they're going all in on that because again they're rumored to get in the trade market for Brandon Cooks. Uh I I just you're you're losing Logan Ryan. I get it. You need to get his replacement, but you you got somebody who's better, yes. But you paid an exceptional amount more than what you would have done to bring back Logan Ryan. And of course, you traded for Eric Rowe last year, which again, a lot of P, a lot of Eagles fans killed the Eagles for trading Eric Rowe. And I, I think today's signing, if they keep Malcolm Butler and don't include him in the trade to the Saints to get Cooks, which is rumored, of course. If they keep those three guys, that I think that speaks volume on how they view Roe as a starter on their team. So just to throw that out there. But uh, again, Gilmore was not too good last season. Besides the interceptions, because I know you and I talked about him, and I said the 49ers make the most sense to me. And the Bears were rumored to be heavy in on him, but he chose New England, which, I mean, any player would. I just, uh, it's weird to me. Yeah, it's weird to me. I I I don't understand. Like, I mean, of course he's gonna go in there and he's gonna ball out. He's gonna become a great corner because that system's amazing. But I just uh, this is a very unpatriot move to invest in a guy like him because again his play fell off noticeably in Rex Ryan's system. So maybe 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 they did what I did and they looked past Rex Ryan's system and saw how good he was with Mike Pettin and Jim Shorts and thought we can get him back to that level. We believe in him to be get back to that level. So we're going to pay him to get back to that level because that's what they did. So uh, anyway, the league in interceptions. So if their pass rush gets to the quarterback a lot, then they're going to have a guy who can get you pick sixes. So enter the ball over. So uh, again, if I, I just didn't, to me, it was a head scratcher because New England doesn't usually make these moves when they did. It was for Darrell Revis, who was an exceptionally better corner than Stephon Gilmore. Uh, but hey, they'll prove me wrong, of course. I just, I, I it, it, it caught me off guard that the Patriots did a move like this. 
Yeah, I, I remember I, I was driving into work this morning and I was listening to the, the local sports radio station and they announced that Stefan Gilmore was going to sign with the Patriots and I instantly said, that's not what the Patriots do. I already had in my head after them making the trade for Dwayne Allen that it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to try and shop Gronkowski and draft the Ashling tight end. But this doesn't make any it didn't make any sense to me because it's a it's a huge deal. Gilmore got that market that he was expecting to get. He got that money that he was expecting to get. And um the only thing that could really solidify the only thing that could really make me feel comfortable in this signing for New England and make it make me feel like it's a good signing is the fact that it is New England and they usually do sign very well. But then also they play this kid twice a year. So they know what they're getting. They've seen plenty of tape on him. Um so I guess they I don't expect them to run the same defense as they ran last year. I expect them to make changes, but I expect them to utilize them correctly. Because that's one thing the Patriots organization does do. They don't sign certain players to play their system. They adapt their system to certain players. Exactly. And I think the great point that you made was the fact that they know him personally. They played against him a lot. So uh, Bill Belichick sees something there that uh, I clearly don't right now. But... I think the biggest thing here is uh, they they didn't franchise tag Dante Hightower and he's still a free agent. And uh, there's been reports that the Titans are pretty big on him, and which would make sense with their GM in uh, John Robinson, who is familiar with him. And he's also following a bunch of Titans people on Instagram, a bunch of their players. So uh, if they lose Dante Hightower and the main reason being because they really gave up. I mean, they have a ton of cap space, so it's not. It's surprising. That, yeah, I, I just, I, there's no way you can convince me that's a good move that they lost on day high. I know, I know what the Patriots are. Uh, I know how they do things, but uh, I, I don't know. If they lose high tower. I think that's a horrible move. All right, moving on. Uh, little breaking news that just happened. The Ravens locked up. Uh, Brandon Williams, the nose tackle, who's been an incredibly successful player for them. Uh, he was rumored to go to the Giants, so I got to say I'm a big fan of the Ravens bringing him back. <laughs> uh, that was a great move, though. He's a great nose tackle. He's one of the uh, t- top three of the position easily. So uh, good move by the Ravens. Uh, I, I think we should delve into the uh, the most bizarre move today, in that being the Texans trade. Brock Osweiler, and a 2018 second-round pick to the Cleveland Browns for a fourth-round pick and a swap of six. Yes. I thought it was the NBA trade deadline, not not exactly. NFL free agency. It was crazy. Now, the Browns are expected to just outright cut Brock Osweiler. Uh, if they can't get a trade partner for him, they're going to outright cut him, which, I mean, they have a ton of cap space. It doesn't hurt them at all. But uh, yeah, you see those Moneyball guys are have the Sam Hinkie type mindset and how they're running their team right now. Uh, a lot of people killed the Browns for this though because they sold the name Brock Osweiler. Uh, I think it was a brilliant move for them. Uh, I mean, 
if you're the Texans, you have to give up something to get to get somebody to just have somebody take on that contract because it was killing them. So, uh, no fault to the Texans. You're in win now mode. You want to get Tony Romo. I get it. You have to do whatever you can do to know that contract. But now the Browns have 11 draft picks in the next two drafts and a lot of high picks. Uh, they had the first from the Eagles this year, uh, second from the Eagles next year. So now they have three seconds in 2018. So, again, um, I think it might be time to stop making fun of the Browns. I mean, Hugh Jackson is a good football coach. Uh, the moves that they made today, shorten up the offensive line, gave J.C. Treader from the Packers, who's a great center. A lot of people don't know him, but he's a, a very solid center. Uh, I know Aaron Rodgers is going to miss him. And they also got uh, Zettler from the Bengals. They stole him from in division, and he's a top-five offensive guard. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't – it's not a sexy position, so not a lot of people will pay attention to it, but he's top-five, folks. So uh, that, that offensive line, Joe Thomas and uh, Joel Benito, who they extended as well, uh, that's looking like a top-five offensive line, folks. So whoever's quarterback, especially for Isaiah Crowell, he's just going to be the huge beneficial uh, beneficiary to this. So, uh, I mean, with all these picks, the Browns know just as much as we do that they're not a good team. Okay. So what do you do to make yourself a good team? You build through the draft. They got 11 picks in the next two years to do so. Uh these guys aren't the these aren't the uh, regular brown like the old resumes of of taking draft busts either. This is uh, some because I mean I'll tell you right now Corey Coleman looked solid when he was healthy last year. Uh, Carlton Sib looked solid rushing the pasture last year. Uh, they didn't make bad moves as in this past draft, so I think this new resume knows what they're doing. Uh, Hugh Jackson's a, a, a strong football personality; he gets the most out of quarterback positions, so that's why I kind of expected them to keep Brock Osweiler. Because they're obviously an RG3 go. That's always been reported. I was expecting them to keep Brock Osweiler, have a little quarterback competition, see if you can get anything out of him. Because after next year, uh, he has no guaranteed money. You can cut him and, and not be hurt uh, financially. So it's not like they they really traded for one year Brock Osweiler if they decide to keep him. So it's not like their, their cap is going to be killed or whatsoever. Uh, they also brought in Kenny Britt. Uh, sounds like they're gonna let Terrell Pryor go. They think he's overvaluing himself, which uh, somewhat surprising to me. But he knows him better than I do, so there could be something there. He is visiting the Redskins, who lost Garcon and Jackson today. Uh, but I, they brought in Kenny Britt, who I'm who I'm a fan of. I think he's underrated. Uh, him and Corey Coleman are are a perfect complement duo right there. Uh, they also have yeah, a, I love it. Yeah, they also have like I said, eleven draft picks this upcoming draft. They can add another wide receiver in a, a pretty underrated class in itself. Uh, I, 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 a lot of people want to make all oh, the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns, uh, the, the Browns are going to brown. I that jokes are going to die soon, folks. I, I think the next two three seasons, I think the Browns are going to become something, and they're setting themselves up in in way. Because again, a lot of these players, their team's going to be made up a lot of draft picks. And that means a lot of cap space because of the CBA, and you have these guys on rookie deals. A lot of Browns gonna Brown type stuff, and the jersey with all the quarterback names on it—that's all preconceived from the previous regime. What they're doing right now is completely different. They—we all know that they had the analytical team. 
in place. Hugh Jackson, completely different type of coach altogether. Last season, he knew they weren't going to compete. So there were a lot of times where he did things that were head scratchers, like at halftime, pulling your quarterback and replacing him with a different quarterback, even though you had the lead against a division rival. You know, he did a lot of things just to test things out. And they drafted Cody Kessler last year. And it looks like at this point, he's probably going to be the guy that starts unless they draft a quarterback, which they might. They have plenty of picks. They very well could. Um, he didn't perform poorly, to say the least, given what he had to deal with. Um, I really like the fact that the, the Browns are investing heavily in the offensive line. And they could use the rest of their draft picks and the rest of the like $60 million that they have in cap space to fill specific needs and then draft to build with from within. So um, this analytical team already is, is <clears throat> this analytical team is already leaving its mark by not making an offer to Terrell Pryor. Uh, Terrell clearly values himself higher than what he's worth in terms of the numbers that are presented to this uh, scouting department. So things are seem to be changing. Um, I think it really all hinges on this draft, though, to see what they end up with and what Hugh does with it. So They still have reported interest in Jimmy Garoppolo, which – I don't. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't. I think the stereotype of uh, we, they did this once with Matt Castle should just die because Matt Castle was not. Nobody thought much of him coming out of USC. He was a backup quarterback there to Carson Palmer. He was a seventh round pick. Uh, Matt. Nobody thought much of Matt Castle. The Chiefs fell for uh, the Patriots utilizing him to his full capacity. Uh, this is not the same case with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo was a second-round pick. I know it was at the end of the second round, but he was thought high of in that. That was a pretty deep quarterback class, and he was thought high of in it. So uh, I think that kid does have potential if they want to trade for him. Uh, I think he, there's a reason they want to, and, and you see something in, in him that many don't. Uh, I don't think they would be falling into a, a Matt Castle type of trap. Personally, I don't. Because I, I've seen a lot of film on this kid at Eastern Illinois. I think he actually is... Uh, has a lot of potential to him. I think the Patriots shouldn't trade him. Uh, I don't think I can understand. Uh, you think Tom Brady will last a little longer, maybe longer than Jimmy Garoppolo's rookie contract, and you spend a third on Jacoby Brissett, and maybe you value him more. But uh, I just wouldn't do it. I think Garoppolo has some potential that will he'll fully live up to in the New England system. I don't. I wouldn't trade him. But uh, to me, I. Right now, I'm going to pose a question to you. Right now, would you say the Browns, with their current roster, are better than the Jets in their current roster? Okay. To me, next year, Sam Darnold from USC, way better than any quarterback in this draft. And I know he's only played nine games at USC, but the way he elev- – and I know the whole USC quarterbacks never live up to their potential, blah, blah, blah. Would you – I've watched every – game Sam Darnold started in last year because I like watching you. I'm, I'm a big USC fan. I'm a, I like their football team. Uh, the way he elevated that team, that was just 
there was just no, there was just, it was a bleak outlook for USC. Let's just say that they had Max Brown starting. He has no, no reason to be a starting quarterback ever at any at any level of football. Uh, the the future looked bleak for USC. They were already talking getting rid of Clay Hill and all that stuff. And then Sam Darnold comes in, and then they play like a top five national team in college football. They look like the days that they looked like with Matt Liner and Reggie Bush, and then they made that epic game in the Rose Bowl against Penn State, which they ended up winning because of Sam Darnold. So, uh, I know it was only nine games compared to the long resume of Deshaun Watson, uh, Pat Mahomes, guys like that, because I know Kaiser and Trubisky didn't really have that long of a resume. But uh, the only thing I would worry about now is maybe they bypass the quarterback and go and start keep continuing building the team. Rod another year with Kessler. Know that you're not going to be good, so try to put yourself in position and get the top pick or the second pick. Don't go too far ahead because the Jets are looking like they're getting ready to tank too and uh, might be in position to get Sam Darnold. Uh, because, again... It's so hard to tank, though. It is hard. It's, it, tanking doesn't happen in the NFL. I shouldn't have used the word tanking. I should have used the word not being better than another team because right now I think the Jets are on a one-way ticket to the first overall pick. So, uh, if Sam Darnold enters the next year's draft, I know there's Rosen and Josh Allen in there, but uh, I think Rosen's nerve damage is going to scare teams away from him. I, I, I would not be shocked if he does it, if he falls out of the first round because of that nerve damage. Uh, that's that's going to scare teams, I'll tell you right now. But again, uh, Donald is better than Josh Allen and Josh Rosen, so uh, we're, we're going way far ahead here. But right now, if you're looking at these teams, the I mean, the Jets, their quarterbacks are, are right down the roster are Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg. You lost Brandon Marshall. You're probably going to cut Eric Decker. Uh, your O-line is depleted. You cut Mangold. You cut Clady. Uh, your defense, Revis, is gone, which not that not that huge of a loss, though, because he he's, he's washed. Uh, you're listening in on Calvin Pryor, who you just recently drafted. The, the feature's not not bright for the Jets. And for the Browns, it's bright for them to the point where they're already better than the Jets. So, and they have a ton of picks. They have a ton of picks, yeah. They have a ton of picks. They have a ton of money. They have a, uh, I, I want to say a more innovative coach. Uh, I have more, I, 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 you can say more innovative coach. Todd Bowles is a sitting duck. Yeah, Todd, Todd Bowles doesn't really inspire me very much. Um, it's interesting, though, because we're talking about the Jets and the Browns competing for the number one pick next season. And both of these coaches are they're, they're in their infantile stages, really, of their tenure at, with these franchises. So that means at least one. At, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, th- that, that would be the latter in, in Todd Bowles. You can say we're innovative coach. Yeah, but the, the, the one of them had an epic collapse, though. One of them did have an epic collapse with a team that was pretty talented. So, uh, Right. The hire of Hugh Jackson and then the analytical scouting staff was obviously a complete overhaul from what you had been doing previously. And you knew you were going to be bad. And there had to be some sort of expect, expectations for patience, trial and error, and um, improvement. So I, I, I don't just like 
when we talked about it in October, I don't see I didn't see Hugh Jackson getting fired after the season. I don't see him getting fired after this season because I feel like they have a little bit of patience with him because they're trying to do a complete overhaul of uh, previous notions that were involved with this franchise. But I mean, I think when you hired Hugh Jackson, you went into it already knowing you're not going to be a good team and Uh here's our plan for the next two, three seasons. And then we'll see how where we're at in year four. Speaking of the Jets... They're interested in Jay Cutler and want to bring Jay Cutler aboard. Which, I don't think Jay Cutler's a bad quarterback, as everybody seems to think. I think he has talent. I just think he has a shitty-ass attitude and is not a leader. That's it. Yeah, he's disinterested. He's not very talented. He has a strong arm. That's really about it. He's just not a leader. He shies away from people on the sidelines. He... Stop guy for Christian Hackenberg. Well, for somebody, I don't think I don't know if it ends up being Christian Hackenberg. That's who they hope it's going to be. But yeah, because I did say Jay Culler should go to the 49ers and and head up there with Kyle Shanahan. But bringing in Brian Hoyer, I don't know. I can't see Mike Shanahan. I mean, excuse me, Kyle Shanahan saying this is all I want to do at quarterback. Maybe they maybe they decided to bring in Jay Culler. I love. I'm sure Jay Culler and Brian Hoyer would love to be teammates again. But uh. I mean, that's I mean, that's the only place. Where else is Jay Cutler gonna go? Miami, 49ers or Jets? Miami. Like where else? Where else? Miami. Where else? Miami. Mm. Miami. I don't think I don't think Adam Gase loved him that no, much. Just... I can see the connection, but I don't think Adam Gase loved him that much. It. Maybe though. Maybe that's. Maybe it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because the free agent quarterbacks are remaining. Jay Cutler, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Colin Kaepernick, Nick Foles, Josh McCown, Nick Foles, um, Geno Smith. So, the, ugh. I mean, yeah, I'll say out of honestly, out of all the the free agents that remain at the quarterback position, uh, you really don't have too much to work with. On the Jets, I bring in Nick Foles. It's got. I take. I would take Nick Foles. I would take Nick Foles. Actually, I'll pose an I. Here we go. Here we go. Say it's already presumed Tony Romo is going to the Texans, but I think is a little. I don't think you should call that a lock yet, just because they got rid of Brock. I think a lot of people are, are penciling that in as a lock. Say the Broncos swoop in and take Tony Romo because they said they're not going to trade for him, but if he was a free agent, they'll have interest. So say he chooses the Broncos. The Texans are like, oh shit. I mean, they didn't want Brock. Who would? Maybe they say, well, Jay Cutler is kind of talented. Maybe we'll see if he does better with Bill O'Brien. I mean, who else are you going to do? You're a win now team and you have an experienced quarterback. Who does it? He's the most talented quarterback on the market. Honestly, let's be honest. He is. Uh, Tony Rimm is going somewhere, but I mean, the most of uh, I, I mean, the, Tony Romo's like they're going to the Texans or the Broncos. There's nowhere in between. This is why the Texans need. Uh, I mean, the, the Cowboys are, are. I could see the back and forth the Texans and the Cowboys are having here. Texans don't want to trade for his current deal. They want to get him on a better one. Cowboys want them to sweat because Jake Cutler is. They're looking at the quarterback market, and Jake Cutler's already interested, and the Jets already have mutual interest. 
if I don't trade you Tony Romo and you want to take the chance of him being a free agent and having John Elway with his Super Bowl ring and it's and the Super Bowl ring basically because they know that the Broncos go to the Super Bowl. You really want to risk going into negotiations with John Elway? Market for quarterbacks is not very good right now, so I mean, you're it's like a rock and a hot. Because if you lose out on Tony Romo yeah. and Jay Cutler goes to the Jets, whoops! Right. What are you gonna do? You would have to call the Patriots and give them. You would have to call the Patriots and ask them what do you want for Jimmy G? We'll give you whatever you want. And if they do that, they might not have that much draft picks. The Patriots reportedly want two first-round picks for Jimmy G. They're not going to get two first-round picks for Jimmy G, I'll tell you that right now. But they would have to take advantage of the Texans' uh, desperation. So you're looking at a chance where they're, they might, uh, I don't know, they don't have a second-round pick in 2018. They would have to give up their first-round pick this year for Jimmy G. And then, of course, the Browns are rumored to want him. There are so little quarterbacks. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. It's, yeah, uh, I think the Texans are. Uh, I give up the draft pick for Tony Romo. Just secure it. Yeah. Why risk it? Why risk it? Don't the the Broncos don't want to trade for Tony Romo. The Broncos do not want to trade for Tony Romo. They made that pretty clear. But if he's a free agent, you are risking it. You, I think you would. I think Rick Smith. And Bill O'Brien would lose a negotiation war to John Elway. I can see it. I can see it. That that's the only thing that always keeps me interested in situations where people know a player is probably gonna get released, but the team is trying to trade him. The the biggest negotiation tactic that they have is the fact that they could say to a team, Well, other teams are gonna be interested. You have no guarantee that you're going to be able to sign this player. So hand us over a draft pick. You can have him instead of having to risk him hitting the open market. Plus, teams don't really like going into competition with other teams and losing that guy in free Because I think that's what the Eagles think about. Uh, Kendricks? Yeah, Michael Kendricks. I think they think that another team would want him on his uh, current deal. Oh, absolutely. Maybe. But, uh, we'll see. We, well, they yeah, have, have uh, till like they have till like Saturday to decide. So let's talk about the Redskins real quick, because I want to point out that they fired their GM Scott McLaughlin. Uh, there's rumors about his drinking, but Mike Jones. Well, let me pull up the tweet. Mike Jones. Let me pull up this tweet real quick so I can get his info real quick because. He works for the Washington Post. He's verified. He's a verified source. Says, I was told late in the season of jealousy up top and how they one day used McLaughlin's drinking as an excuse to can him. Exactly what happened. So, uh, I kind of believe that because of Daniel Snyder, first of all, has a huge ego. He He's easily the worst owner in sports. He's, I mean, in the NFL, not sports. In the NFL, I consider him the worst owner. Uh, and then again, Bruce Allen, back from his Tampa Bay days, is just just seems like a dick. Let's be honest, he just seems like a dick. Uh, so I think it's a big deal that they did this to McLaughlin. He's a great general manager. He turned the Redskins around real quick. His first two seasons there, uh, they're gonna miss him. Let's just say they're gonna. He did. He absolutely did. 
it was a noticeable difference, but but it was a noticeable difference from the way that the the franchise operated in the time that he was there from when he wasn't there. Like he really kept someone like Dan Schneider in, in check from making these ridiculous free agent signings and piecing it together. So as an Eagles fan, it makes me very happy that the franchise is in dismay, but it, they're really going to feel the effects of letting him go, especially so close to the draft. They don't have a GM right now. What? Yeah. I, I, the function, the, the defunction in that front office has always been a big deal. Uh, I, you there was a re, uh, hmm. you had to take the Redskins more seriously when they brought this guy on board and after all the moves he made you had to they were getting better now he, I mean now they lost their two wide receivers their quarterback doesn't want to play for them unless he's on a long term deal he doesn't want to play for them so they bring in to all product I'll give him props for that I'll just say that. Uh, but again, it, it's not looking good at Washington right now. I don't want to sound biased because, as as you all know, I'm an Eagles fan. But uh, you just have to look at it the way it is, and this just is, does not look good. And it is reported that Kirk Cousins will sign his franchise tag soon, so it looks like he will be playing on the franchise tag for another year in Washington. All right, moving on to a more. Free agency news. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars really went all out and invested in their defense. They brought in Clayus Campbell, and they brought in A.J. Boye, who had a great, great season last year as a first-time starter for the Texans. Uh, Clayus Campbell, who's been always a, a very well-known defensive lineman up in Arizona, uh, they bring him in into a huge $60 million deal. Uh Again, the Jaguars always seem to make these flashy moves and they never really plan, pan out. I think uh, they're taking a huge leap of faith with A.J. Boye. Uh, I was cautious on him just because of that uh, really one good season of play. Because, I mean, they, these corners, they seem like they go from the, uh, they they have one good season of play, then they cash out in free agency, go to another system, and fall apart, fall on their face. And they, this happened to the Jaguars recently with Devon House. Uh he was forced into the starting role with some injuries in Green Bay. Looked pretty solid as a starter, uh, his, which drove up his value tremendously to the point where the Packers weren't going to sign him for that amount. And then the Jaguars cash out, give him the money. He comes to Jacksonville and flops. So uh, for the Jaguars to take this risk, again, though, I will say, they they can afford to make this risk not just because they have their salary cap but they have their number one corner there in Jalen Ramsey they drafted Jalen Ramsey to be their number one corner so again if it doesn't work out you still have your main guy so I, I can't hate on the move that much but uh Blake Jackson next to Calais Campbell on their defensive line whew, whew. got the Yannick guy from uh, Maryland last year in the draft because I'm not even gonna try to say his last name uh who looks like a stud pass rusher, uh, pass rusher. And then you got Clay's, I mean, not Clay's Campbell. You got Dante Fowler, who was a first round pick a couple years ago. Hasn't really looked like all the hype, but again, but again, he's coming back to year two. Now he's fully healthy in year two. He's the third season in the NFL, but he's fully healthy for year two for him. Uh, I expect to see him, especially with all that D line help. I expect him to be better. So uh, the Jaguars making moves. I mean, Tom Coughlin's in charge now. 
Doug Marone's the head coach, who I think was a good, good pick for them. Uh, all they had, all they have to do, they lost, they lost Luke Jokel to the Seattle Seahawks, which I thought was funny. They made the Brandon Albert trade official, by the way. They got Brandon Albert at left tackle. They lost Luke Jokel for eight million dollars to the Seahawks, which uh, he's been a bust, huge bust. Like, uh, for the number two overall pick, I mean, he's never done anything to make himself look good. Uh, if Pete Carroll can bring something, if Tommy Campbell and Pete Carroll can bring something out of him, then it just goes to show you that they're the best developmental coaches in in NFL, in my opinion. Uh, but again, he's been a huge bust for Jacksonville. They look, they look to move on from him. They were they were in the Keith uh, Zaytler market, but he signed with the Browns. Uh, there's some other good guards out there. I know Ronald Lilly went to the Broncos, so now T.J. Lang's market kind of died down a bit. If they're willing to meet. Is asking price that'd be a huge addition for their offensive line. But yeah, I mean, uh, Tom Coughlin's already making his presence known in Jacksonville. Yeah, it's pretty interesting signings. Uh, the AJ Boye contract is huge. Clay's Campbell also. Um, Boye seems like it's probably a, a, a clear upgrade from Prince of Mukamara, which is interesting. Uh, that Coughlin had him in New York and seemingly had no issue replacing him. So that I think that really speaks volumes as to where Prince is in his career and how they feel AJ is in comparison. Um, the Jags did make some moves today. Like you said, they they, they made that trade official. They got rid of Julius Thomas for, for Brandon Alpert. Um, they lost... Luke Jokel. They have some. They still have some decisions to be made. I mean, Blake Bortles is going to be a free agent next year. Allen Robinson's going to be a free agent next year. They already extended Allen Hearns. So uh, while they still have cap space now, they really need to figure out whether or not whether or not Blake Bortles is going to be the guy whether or not there's somebody that they'd rather draft next year. Um, So in the first season of Doug Marone's tenure at (coughs) Jacksonville, um, there are going to be some decisions that have to be made this year that will really shape the landscape in Jacksonville. All right, well, we're going to wrap up this episode, this jam-packed opinionative episode Discussing the running back, free agency money, running back market. Very little activity going on there. Got a couple visits. Oh, the Seahawks are interested in Eddie Lacy, Jamal Charles, and Latavius Murray. While Adrian Peterson's market seems to be non-existent. Uh, so first we're talking about the Seahawks. Uh, they're linked to Jamal Charles, who they think they're going to have in to visit once he has some... This is per rap sheet, by the way. Uh, he has some personal things to take care of. And then after that, he'll start making visits. He expects to make visits with Seattle. Uh, so people are a little surprised about Seattle's interest in running backs due to the fact that they have uh, Thomas Rawls and Pierre Garçon. Not Thomas, excuse me. Not Garçon, I'm sorry. Uh, CJ Persos, excuse me. But so 
Uh, a lot of people are surprised that they're doing this, but again, Rawls has a very extensive injury history. They clearly don't have faith in him long term. Uh, Procise is more of a, um, I want to say, pass catching option out of the backfield, not really who they view as a long term solution at the running back, like a feature back. They also have Alex Collins, too, with a six round pick on Arkansas. Uh, clearly, they just aren't that high on their guys. Uh, Latavius Murray would be a huge. I want to say a great signing for them just because uh, they like that bulldozer type of running back. Uh, He won't be on the same caliber as Marshawn Lynch, but he would definitely give them that type of ability out of the backfield again. Uh, I don't really see them getting Jamal Charles. To me, Jamal Charles is is done. I think he might want to hang him up. Uh, I think he's – I just don't see it. Maybe maybe if he checks out uh, the Seahawks, he's something in there. Uh, they have Eddie Lacy in there too. So again, Eddie Lacy on the same kind of uh, skill set uh, that the Seahawks are missing in the, out of their backfield that they might want to bring in. And Adrian Peterson's mark is just completely shot. Uh, no, no really reported interest. He wants to go to the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders don't sound interested. They're in talks with Martellus Bennett right now to get him on uh, to come to Oakland. Uh, so they're not. They haven't. There's been no rumors about Murray. No rumors about Murray or Peterson returning to Oakland yet. Uh, the Patriots are moving on for Blunt, so maybe AP can go there. But again, he has not been reported. His market's been non-existent so far in terms of reports. So uh, again, the running back market is looking like. I mean, again, I think it speaks more volumes to this historic draft class that we're looking at. We were talking about the running backs. So it's a very deep class. Teams know that they can bring in a, a young guy with no tread on the tires coming into the NFL, have have him on a rookie deal for a majority of his prime, and let him go when he gets older and has a bunch of tread on the tires. So that's the route the teams are looking at. This, these running backs just aren't getting much love, which I completely understand. I think I think the best route to go if you have running back need is the draft. Well, that pretty much wraps up our first episode of day one of free agency for the all 32 podcast you can follow us on twitter at all 32 podcast catch our episodes on itunes soundcloud google play music we're going to the site www.all32podcast.com and catch up with our latest episodes i will be back soon to talk about day two and three of free agency so stay tuned thanks everybody